The rule of three states, things that come in threes, are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With the next generation GMC Sierra, Canyon, and Sierra Heavy Duty, we couldn't agree more. Whether you choose to have the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate, available only on the next generation GMC Sierra SLT, AT4, and Denali models, to confidently take on heavy loads with the available 6.6-liter V8 Duramax turbo diesel in the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty, or to get behind the wheel of the only mid-size premium pickup on the road, the GMC Canyon, you'll realize all three help you do one thing. Go professional grade. Step up to GMC and get 20% below MSRP on next-generation 2019 GMC Sierra Double Cab and SLE Crew Cab models with a traditional tailgate. We are professional grade. GMC. Offer includes price reduction below MSRP and purchase allowance. Not available with special financing lease and some other offers. Take retail delivery by 9319. See participating dealer for details. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. Welcome to Pinehurst Golf Magazine Top 100 Summit where some good friends of mine we are going to pass the phone around again. Sorry, I'm new to this. We're going to talk about a variety of times. We're going to talk about junior golf. We're going to talk about where golf instruction's heading. We think it's good, bad, or indifferent. And we're going to talk about my pet peeve, which is people that put videos of players up on social media that they don't teach. It's my pet peeve. I don't like it. All right, so we're going to introduce ourselves. So we got Wayne Flint to my right. If you've listened to the tour coach, you've heard Wayne. I'm going to leave Brady last. Kevin, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Kevin Sprecker. I'm the director of instruction up at Sleepy Hollow Country Club in New York. Uh, I've been there for about 17 years now. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you sat next to me at dinner. We kind of yeah. you had to bring you in here. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. My name is Chris Meal, founder of Future Champions Golf at San Diego, California, and happy to be here with this group. Absolutely. To Oscar De La Renta. My name is uh, Oscar De La Renta uh, Sachs, and uh, I'm a teaching, uh, teaching professional at uh, Porter Valley Country Club in uh, Los Angeles, California. Been there t- about two and a half years. My name is uh, Don Sargent. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, side of Country Club, home of Jack Nick Sarge, everybody calls me, uh, where Jack Nicholas learned to play the game, where Bobby Jones won the U.S. Open. Neat spot. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And the hack. Uh, Mark Hackett, Old Palm Golf Club, 17 years. We're here to, to grow the game. We're going to we're with my good friend Tony. Been there apart when he walked down the aisle again. Good friend. <laughs> Happy we got Wayne and I got a little emotional. Hey, awesome you're afraid night. you don't have to do it again. <laughs> you know, like I always say about my fourth wedding. And, and I mean this sincerely. If after four it doesn't work out, I think at some point you got to look in the mirror and say it could be me. <laughs> Only after four. <laughs> I don't know what else to say after that, but Eric Johnson, Director of Golf and Instruction at Nemecolin Woodlands Resort and Spa in Farmington, Pennsylvania. I was at Oakmont Country Club in Oakmont, Pennsylvania for 17 years of my career, and it's been uh, awesome to see a ton of opens, and thank you, Tony, for having me here tonight. Thank you. Brady Riggs, number 99 on the scoreboard, number one in my heart. I snuck off today, played nine holes. Sensational holes. We played fantastic. Played 
We played Pinehurst number one, where 60, I played the old Donald Ross Jr. We played about 6,000 yards, didn't we? 61. 61. I mean, I we we went all the way back. Yeah. yeah. A lot, a lot for you. A lot too. of dew in the air. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of dew in the air. A lot of dew in the air. And uh, played out of your bag. So I felt like that helped me because your stuff was much lower launch yeah. than true. mine. Yes, yeah. it's true. So let's just start with I'm going to change direction where we started before we thought I was recording. Let's start with the instruction. We've all been teaching golf a long time. How has teaching changed since these summits you've been coming to? What is the good and the bad of it that you've seen? Hmm. I just thought I'd get people fired up right off the bat. Yeah, because I'm going to eat some Go get them. Uh, is is it me? Yeah, you start. Cold cow. Come on, go um, get them. The good is that we have more information than we've ever had. The bad is that we have more information. People just get lost in the details too much. So I think it's it's weird how the old stuff is still really effective, you know. There's not a lot that has changed. Just we found different names to call things now, but one it's the still cool, the same. One of the cool stuff. things today, but like Chuck Cook, mm-hmm. legend in the instruction, legend, right? Did a presentation on the golf machine and where it is today, and tied a lot of the new stuff that we heard from the Michael Jacobs and all those different people on. You know, and tied it all together. And I think that's cool, though. But I think there's still a relevance to old teaching today, which sometimes I think gets pushed out. It does. And it's sometimes new isn't always better. Sarge, what do you think about that? You're at a place where they're... You and, you and Hack. Well, I, I mean, I have a real feeling about what you just said. I think that for those of us that have taught long enough before, we could measure everything, learned how to teach a different way. I think the measuring abilities that we have now with TrackMan and Swing Catalyst or whatever you want to talk about is fantastic, but in the end, you still got to teach golf, teach the game and not read the, read the computers. And I thought with what you said about Chuck, tying the old and the new is it's good for all of us because the young guys don't need to just read the numbers and the old guys need to be able to use the numbers. And I think that we can't go all numbers and all data like it feels like sometimes we're going, like Brady said. That's know? interpretation. That's right. All but like, you know, like, you like from Wayne and Kev, Kev and I with, with having Toski. I mean, he was on the cutting edge. I mean, it's all about, we had to educate. It's us to move forward and educate the kids. Because the, the parents are brutal. So they all want to be the new Tiger Woods. The numbers but for are us, the control. The numbers are to help us teach better, yeah. not to teach for us. And... It's awful easy to just lean on that and say you're three right and four left, and well, how do I fix it, you know? Right. Well, I think one of the things I always talk about is in this age of technology is you get people that, like, you still should be able to teach without all the technology, right? Butch says that the room. All the time. Butch the says room. it all the time, right? The room. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and I've been to summits before. And I've watched people with the technology that, like, if the technology broke, they were lost, right? And I don't think that's good for our game. And, Kevin, I'm going to turn this to you because you learned to teach under Jim McClain, who, like, Jim was 100% like a – tell me if I'm wrong, but he was a forerunner and pusher of using technology and on the cutting edge of trying to research shit stuff. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So like, but he's as old school as they get too. like, if you think of one of the legends of golf instruction, 
Yep. You know, and then Wayne, I mean, you and I both learned under Hank Johnson, he would have been one of the he would have been one of the early ones on the TPI side, right? I mean, all the right. stuff he did with Alabama Sports Medicine and Institute. That's Remember right. that book he did he was in that jogging suit? That's I mean, right. that was cool, right? So go ahead and talk a little bit Jim about Jim it. For it. Jim was a hands-on kind of a teacher. He liked to get his hands on the player and you know, he knew he knew ball flight laws even when the when the uh, training book that the PGA used to put out was incorrect. You know, he used to say, you know, they used to say the face controlled the curve and the path was, you know, was, it was the opposite. Jim always said, you know, the path always determined the curve and the face was this. And, and he, he was able to measure it and studied it. And he and Carl Welty did a lot of videoing back mm-hmm. in the late 80s and early 90s. And, and that was kind of at the forefront of everything. And, and then uh, I remember back in, it was 19, I was Jim's assistant in 93, 94. And we had a guy come in and we used to draw lines on a TV. And then he developed, this guy worked for IBM and developed the program so we can actually draw lines on the screen. It was called Smart Sense, I think, or Sport Sense back then. He had this, Wayne had this thing called the pickle. <laughs> and, and I, and now, it may have been a knockoff, something he bought, like, yeah. off of a guy downtown Birmingham or something. Yeah. But, like, he had this thing called the pickle where you plugged it in. No kidding, it looked like a pickle. And he drew on the, what, am I wrong? No. You could, no. You and, I mean, people came from all over Birmingham to see Wayne with the pickle. That's right. But it was but, on the cutting edge. But Jim saw the advantage of technology for the students because the students learned faster. I mean, as a teacher, we all use it and it helps us, but I find that the technology, the students learn a little bit faster for, you know, for yeah, us. Absolutely. You, know, you can turn the power off and any one of us can give a great golf lesson, but I think the student will get it a lot faster when they see it and they repeat it. And that's a great thing with all this new technology, Foundation. I think. Yeah. It's well, well, it's also a way to measure, are you really getting better? Yeah. Yeah. We can see a player swinging 10 degrees out to the right, but when they see the number great. and then they make a couple of swing changes and they see the numbers at four. It kind of helps them learn. So I think technology is a great way for learning feel. And Wayne, I'm gonna instead give, of, you, instead I'm, of guessing, you can measure. And I'm gonna give Wayne some props. So, so like I was a college player. I'd work with Mark Wood, right, and uh, started working with Wayne. Woody was in Japan or something, probably, right, and uh, telling everybody over there what he knew, and uh, started working with you. And you were on the cutting edge at that time. So that was before Trackmans and all that. But you you had the VCR. Which not everybody had. You had the good camera where you could do it frame by frame. Then he had the pickle, which was huge. I love the pickle. (laughs) And um, and then you had all that. And then you had the laptop where you could draw the lines, you know, with the V1 and all that stuff. And, like, I think that makes a difference. So, like, I don't think that by saying you're old school and that you teach real golf means you don't have any technology. Right. I mean, I got one of the first laptops when they – they still had the the yellow and red plugins to them, you know, before all the HDMI and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it was really expensive back then. But I I jumped in on that early on because I thought it was important. And you know, I liked I liked what I saw today. I mean, you saw a lot of a lot of stuff being talked about uh, of the 3D and all that stuff. And then then we ended up kind of with one of the legends of teaching, Chuck Cook, who we all have watched and you know I've, I've known him for years and years and respect him i can't even tell you how much and and chuck you know kind of did an end around of all that stuff and talked about how some of the things that he believed in early on how he thought that you know those were still very valid points and very valid things that he wanted to teach and then kind of brought them into into modern day if you will how some of the things that that people have disregarded that he still uses still fit today with some of the 3d and all the stuff that's being 
measured and proven and all that. And, you know, he brought Toski into the mix and, you know, how some of the stuff that Toski told him, you know, way back when, how it was still valid, you know, and I think, you know, I think we're too, I think we're too quick. I guess we're, I'm getting older, obviously, and but I think we're too quick to throw the older guys under the bus, so to speak, just because we got some new stuff out there that's great, and it is great. You know, I mean, Tony, we got the swing catalyst, and we use it all the time, and, you know, I mean, stuff is great to, to see what's really happening, and but you still, like you like Don just said, you still have to be able to, you know, apply that to your student. You still got to get them to hold on to the club correctly. You know, one of the great things I saw today was was George Gankus. I mean, he actually looked at the guy's left hand grip, and the club was too much in his palm, and he actually put it a little more That's down the in his fingers. First, some bitch of teaching summit I've seen fix uh, a grip. I, you don't ever see people in fix grip anymore, and he did 10 it. Ten years, and I don't know that anybody That's even saw him do it. But but I mean, when's the last time at a teaching summit? Yeah, I don't know that. Big I don't know that anybody. You yeah. saw fix a grip. That yeah. was real teaching. I mean, that, I mean, so that some of that stuff, you know, fixing a person's left hand grip when the oh, club's you. when the club's hanging yeah. a little open. You know, I mean, those are the it's things that the that you have to do. And and I thought it was great. You know, I mean, here's one of the hottest young teachers out there. I mean, he's, he's certainly done a great job marketing himself. And I mean, you can't say he doesn't have interest because everybody knows who Gigi is, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, he's done awesome for the game. Wayne and I were talking earlier, and, and you and I were talking during our leisurely nine break. <laughs> yes. What? Man, have I told you how nice that nine holes was going? Um, the sun coming down, preferably with a full moon. It's amazing. Yeah. We oh. held hands for a while. Yeah, <laughs> we did take a selfie. I'm not afraid to say we took a selfie. You can check us out at Brady Riggs, at Brady Riggs, or at Red Goat, or whatever. Yeah, but uh, we are going to need more drinks. But um, I would agree with you. Like I said to you, like, I would have fixed the face earlier. I fixed the face earlier, right? And obviously, people didn't see this, but like, so George fixed the face later, right? He made the made the left wrist, if we're talking about bow or go into flexion later. So I would have done it earlier. But like, I think that's kind of the beauty of what we're all seeing here is that there's a bunch of different ways to fix it. He's had a shitload of success, mm-hmm. right? Some of us would have fixed it different ways, but but... But I think that's the cool thing about all of us getting together about this. And that's one of the good things to me about golf now is that there's a lot of different ways to do things and there's a lot of people talking. And I think that part of golf instruction is in a good area. Yeah, I think the thing that scares me is that working with different players, so many good players don't still don't understand ball flight. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know why the ball started where it went and why it curved the way it did. And they may be really, really good. But it's it's kind of strange that we have all this technology and we kind of know it. But I think sometimes as teachers, we may take it for granted that the student knows it. And we probably have to continue to get better at teaching them so they can fix themselves. Because ultimately, that's kind of what we're supposed to do is give them the, the tools to help themselves so they don't have to come back to it. Yeah, but ultimately, they have to find out what ball flight they want. Like, you know, right. Lucas. Yeah, wants to hook. The shape of the eye. Like you said, when he was there, he talked to a bunch of the juniors. He said, like, the ball starting right. He never wanted to have the ball cross his target. So he'd always want his mind's eye, which he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, went off the charts. Right. His, 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 he had the best two years. Best two years he's had in a long time, for sure. Which is smart. And, I mean, but you have to find out what their desire, what their right. big miss is, and what forces the eye. Right, Kevin? And, oh, absolutely. I think. Because I mean, Brad, Brad talks about that all the time. Oh, yeah. No, but I think a lot of it, you know, going back to what Brady says, kids – and some kids do understand 
what makes the ball curve, but they don't understand how to make it curve. Like I got some really good juniors, and I say, okay, hit a draw, and their alignment doesn't change. They, I said, well, how do you do it? They said, well, I just feel like I closed the face in the downswing. I said, that's fine, but it's hard to be consistent with that. You're going to hit it 20 yards left and 30 yards left. And tying into the technology, I'll have them go on track, man, and I'll say, okay, hit a shot, tell me how much it's going to curve. So let's say curve 15 feet. I say, well, make this one curve 25 feet. They just can't seem to figure it out until you show them that you got to change your alignment relative to your face, and then they can help I dial it see. in. Yeah. Wait a minute, we could have a Brandel sighting coming out of here. Of the You're not going to believe. I want to just call one. Atta- the last time you came by, I thought I was recording and I wasn't. We went four minutes before I realized I didn't have the recorder on. I'm disappointed in you guys. The, the wings are still there. We got talking. This one's for you, Brandel. What is the, what's the, what's the, what's the what's junior We're talking about junior development in the state of instruction today. Nice. Can we get a quote? Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You see kids come out at... Uh, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old that they're, uh, they look like tour players. Mm-hmm. So I, I've said this. I think instruction is getting so much better. I mean, it really do. You see kids come out and they're fully equipped to compete at the highest level. Professionally, look, we've got unprecedented levels of young, accomplished talent. You've got Joaquin Neiman, who's 20, Sungjae M, who's 20. Uh, you got Matt Wolf, who's 22, Colin Marka, who's 21 or 22. Who am I missing? Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland, who's 21 or 20. I mean, all these guys are coming out at 20, 21 years of age, and they're hitting the ground running. They, they, you used to get on tour. You need five years to sort of find your way. You came out. You John Dom did. In your first year on tour. Didn't no, I, I didn't. You spend. I mean, honestly, you were just not ready. You were looking around for a year. You're going. That's Tom Watson. I want to swing like Tom Watson. Or that's Lee Trevino. I want to swing like Lee Trevino. And these guys come out here and like you know. I can swing better than any of these guys. You know that they they know that. You know they got all the data. They got they're good. They're well they're well trained. They're in great shape. Yeah, the fitness the fitness is a big thing too. Fitness is important. When we didn't have yeah. anything, I means like bad. You know when we grew up it was like fitness was bad. Yeah, I mean guy, guys guys was bad. guys looked like bankers. You know <laughs> no they they don't want to. It's like yeah. you're gonna mess your swing up. You can't do other sports. Yeah. You're gonna mess your swing up. Yeah. But you know what it is, Tony. Yeah. But I mean, when I, when I, when no, I, just in general. No, it's like yeah. it's the sport. Yeah, oh, for, for sure. the sport. But when I was on tour, everybody was my size. They were fatter than me, but they were my size. Yeah. They were five foot nine, five foot ten. Now they're six foot, six foot two. Cheeseburger and a coke, and, and they're, beer. they don't eat that stuff. And they're they're one hundred seventy five, one hundred eighty pounds. Yeah. So <laughs> what's amazing though is that I mean, it's coming. The speed is coming because in the last ten years, two thousand seven to two thousand nineteen, there really hasn't been an appreciable amount of increase in club head speed on the PGA Tour. I feel like that's because the swings, as good as they are, they could be better. You know, I think guys, I've said this and I'll continue to say it, they, they, they restrict their turn. What Cameron Tringali did this last year, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow, is amazing. I think it's one of the, I think, coolest bits of phenomenon that's happened on the PGA Tour since I've been covering it. To see a guy do what Cameron Tringali did last year, all because he went old school. Sure. You know, and he did it with new school guys. He did it with the TPI guys, yeah, Greg yeah. Rose and Phillips. So that's cool that these new school guys are kind of adopting old school ideas, however you want to put it. But uh, and also, I think social media is good for teaching because it sure. works as like peer review in a way. Like this teaching always needed peer review. You need. But you're playing Wood Brothers. You're playing Persimmon. We grew up playing Persimmon and Woods. Good looking Wood. 
Right? I mean, yeah. it was like, it was, think about the technology, too. Yeah, they didn't go anywhere. I mean, <laughs> right. they I mean, look good. Yeah. I mean, a lot I don't of know. Ball? The, the teaching today is great, you know. Oh, I mean, it's, it's getting oh, way, way better. You see kids come out and they're. You don't think the teaching's better? No, I'm kidding. I'm afraid yeah. you know? <laughs> I think it is. Don't get me wrong. I see there's just still ideas I disagree with. Um, what are some of those? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Track man the, the toy. <laughs> I, have, I have all those. No, no, honestly. It's just, just, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, any of the left-leaning ideology, any of the left-leaning ideology, I just don't find any basis uh, in it. In fact. Now, I see some relevance there for people who have a hard time moving and are just worried about making contact. But, you know, I'm worried. I, I want to talk about what the greatest players of all time did, what the greatest ball strikers did. None of them hung left. Not any of them. None of them even kept their head stationary. They all moved. They all moved. Well, like uh, Steed. I used to watch yeah, Steed. Even Snead. I mean, I, I we just did it, and we'll no, do it tomorrow. I mean, Snead, Snead turns right, and he moves. And look, Tosky. I'm not talking about a lot. He worked for Toski. Right. Bob, and, and what? And he still can play at nine years old. And what? Toski agreed that they move? But he does move. He always yeah. told about the head right. floating. And right. they turn their hips. They ship. Right. Swing, and they ship, turn. Hips. A lot. Yeah. So Swing, it, ship, turn. So what you guys, up? maybe you know, maybe you don't. Here's 90 pounds. But I mean, Cameron Tringali is six foot two, 175. And he used to tell people he's the shortest hitter on tour pound for pound. So he swung 111 miles an hour. And last year he swung 119 miles an hour. That was the biggest increase in the history of statistical record keeping and he was the most strokes gained and he did that by one change in his posture he started being more sloppy instead of having you know a concave lower back or doses and two was he just got a deeper turn of the right hip lifted his lead heel which means he's got more time and more time to create speed and he picked up eight miles an hour eight and change well, one of my students who he didn't pick up Cameron did, but Lucas Glover had a good year last year. He drove it further. The biggest thing we've worked on in the he worked in the gym with his trainer Colby Tuye and me was for two years we've worked on turning his right hip more, letting his right hip release and turn back. He wanted to hit a draw again, get to really hooking it more than anything because he'd gotten away from that during some of the TrackMan stuff. Was letting him really turn his right hip back so he could get to the inside of the ball, but it created more speed and. Got to hit his draw, was and it he, works. Was he restricted his right hip? Is that why he couldn't turn it? You know, I think over time he had tried to zero out a little bit, yeah. and that let him slide a little more going back, right. trying to not swing it out. Right. And then um, certainly some of the gym stuff that we got him doing, or that he when he started working with Colby, paid off, but made it easier for him to do it all the time, I would say, is more than anything. It made it – he could do it on a range good, and he had a good year the year before, but – Last year, he was able to physically do it more of the time and play the longer season and that he had to play. Into the yeah, it was a good, super year for Lucas. No, super guy. Awesome guy. Look, I'm, and I'm being serious when I say this. I, I started following him from you, Brady, a few years ago. You started, you know, you started the recognition of, of junior teachers, which I think is something that should be recognized and following your tour. And like, if you follow it on social media, like I'll do occasionally, like when I'm sitting through some of these things that we're watching today, right? That's a good time for it. Um, anyways, you find, but like, it's amazing how many kids or not kids, but like guys winning on tour have a connection to your tour. I think it's cool as shit. 
Like, you know, you'll be so, so I'll be like, and I'll see you pop up with somebody like, what the hell's he got to do? You know, <laughs> you know, and then, and then you'll be like, Hey, one such and such one. So I think that's cool. It just yeah. shows you how deep the talent is out there. And to Brando's comment on, on yours is yes, the instruction's better. The kids are practicing better. The courses they play better and they're playing tournaments that are more like what they play when they get out there. Right. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. when Brandle went it's out there and shot. he's seeing Tom Watson and he's trying to just get out of his way. These kids have been playing that type of an event. Mm-hmm. I, was gonna say, I don't think they're starstruck they're as much as they no, used to no, be. They're not scared now. Yeah. I mean, they're every, no. I mean, look at Hovland and yeah. Colin and Wolf. Wolf. those guys all went out there to win. They yeah. weren't just trying to, you know, have an experience or make a cut. Even John, their mindset was completely out. different. Yeah. They were, they were ready to roll. It's just, it's a completely different mindset. Jordan didn't wait. No, I think junior golfers are golf IQ is way higher. Yeah, just mm-hmm. with the with the internet and the access to all the information, mm-hmm. I think that's a huge you know, advantage. And all that. well, everything, it's all, it's all, it's all part you, of it. Kids come in nowadays. You want to fit them for a set of clubs, and like you don't tell them what you're going to fit them in because they give it all to you. You know, they already know. They've already read everything that's yeah. out there, and they got shafts in their mind. That, but you know, one of the things I've tried to do, obviously, you and you and you've experienced it, and the stuff we do together. But so I try to expose my juniors to people that are successful on the PGA Tour. As uh, we were talking today about stuff we do at Frederica, mm-hmm. I do at Frederica, and like I try to take six, eight kids at a time and bring them in that are good players or wanting to be good, and bring in the Waynes, the Bradys, the Hackets, but then bring in a Colby too. Yeah, you saw that at Old Palm where he bring in a guy that trains. Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnny, I mean, all these tour players, right? Harold Varner, Smiley Kaufman, and, you know, Lucas Glover, all these guys, and let him train them. And then you bring in a mental coach that works with four or five guys, and he goes on the golf course with them. Like, to me, the kids that really want to excel and that really want the info are going to find a way, if you give them access to it, to get something out of it. Or I just think, and I, I mean, I know we're not alone in doing that, but I think that that's an important part in these kids getting 100%, good. Hundred percent, but they're the most respectful kids, though. All those hundred percent, yeah. They know, they get it, yep. and they they're appreciative. of That's it. the cool right. part of doing not it, though. No, if they want to have it, they're appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. That's the cool part for me. And not like mom the, and dad just dropping them off. The notes from the parents. Yeah. yeah, that that was the greatest weekend of their life at Old Palm and those <laughs> well, things. Going to have the next one. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's key, you know, yeah. and uh, we've started doing that at Frederica, and it's cool because I take a smaller group. You came down for the last one, Hack, Sarge, Brady. We got to get you guys there. Yeah. Chris, I mean, you, Sprecher, you, you're bringing some in March, aren't you? Yeah, he's down. He surprised me. Dad didn't even know. He's just sneaking in. That's like <laughs> submarine warfare. <laughs> but um, but but I bring them down, and, and they get to work with Phil Canyon for a day, mm-hmm. Randy Myers, so you know the fitness guy and the, and the putting guru on the, on the tour, and they all they all love this stuff. Yeah, and they go back home and tell all their friends about it, and you know, just to, they all excel. Yeah. All these uh, guys said, you know, I haven't, we have a good junior program where I'm, and I was talking with Wayne about this earlier, but I think for a lot of the young coaches out there who want to develop juniors from that sort of 10, 11, 12 age group and beyond, I mean, all these guys here have a lot of uh, success doing that. Maybe each of them can pick a favorite story or kid. It doesn't have to be like the kid who played at, you know, Alabama and won 10 times on tour. Maybe some kid who was like a real chopper and they were 10 or 12 or whatever age and then. Maybe each person can can share a little, like, hey, I got this kid when he was 15, and or she, and she was, and now they're there. And maybe, like, one or two things you did 
maybe something that that sticks out. I think that'd be pretty cool. Tony, let's start with you. This is your tell show. a story. No, I mean, I, well, it's a tough one. It's all about trust, first, right? Yeah, I mean, I've they had to get to respect you first as a person. I'll, I'll tell you a story. There's a kid I taught that uh, when I first started with him, you know, he shanked every shot, couldn't break ninety, was born incredibly premature. His dad played college football, NFL football, that, but like couldn't break a hundred, right? And couldn't break a hundred. <laughs> and his goal was to be able to play college golf. And he was like a freshman in high school. And I'm telling you, when I'm telling you the truth, you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly couldn't, who I'm talking about. The first 20, 30 balls we hit during this lesson, he shanked every one of them. Couldn't break a hundred. And when he was senior in high school, he got an offer to play college golf at a junior college, right? And he got where in Florida and in the high school state championship, he played in the Florida high school state championship, and he shot in the mid to low 70s. I mean, like that to me, like I've had kids that obviously had three kids playing the Walker Cup and stuff like that. But, like, that was, to me, like Wayne and I one time were sitting somewhere drinking beers that shocks everybody. And Wayne was like, man, that's teaching. Like, that's teaching golf. Like, you know, I mean, like we we've all had kids that are super uber talented and like like Bobby Wyatt, Robbie Shelton. I probably couldn't have screwed them up bad enough. They wouldn't have turned out decent. Right. But like this kid, man, like like I I actually did a decent job on that. It's fun, though, when that happens because you don't anticipate it happening when you first get them. Mm -hmm. You know, you a kid that comes and you think he's okay. Mm -hmm. And when I first year at Oakmont 99, a kid came to me. You were at Oakmont too. I was. I, Eric took my job, took my place. Really? There, yeah. Wow. And uh, 1999, he was a freshman in college, and I was like, just a lesson, you know. wasn't any much thing much more than that. He could putt. It was Nathan <laughs> Smith. And he won four. He won four U.S. Mid Ams, and <laughs> played in four Walker Cups. Played in the Masters four times. Jeez. And if the first five lessons that I would have given you with him. And he and I are best friends now, still to this day. If he would have told me that he was going to play four Masters and four U.S. Mid-Ams, and he won the first four ball, he's won five USDA events, <laughs> you know. And that's a guy who's taken his game from you never could have dreamed he could have gotten that good, you know. But that's teaching. That's yeah. teaching golf. But that's teaching golf. Worked, and and, and, and coaching. Such a great that's not presenting. That's no, not social that's media. That's teaching. And that's coaching. teaching and coaching. That's right. That's right? coaching. I mean, it's a little bit of but it's more coaching. But that's different. Yeah. Like, and that's. It's, I mean, that's the good of golf right now to me. Is. And and they ought to recognize more Sarges than we do some of the other mm -hmm. shit. Now to you, Brady. To me. Well, my my best story is, of course, Oscar. De La Hoya. <laughs> no, that's his boxer brother. That's De La Renna, the jeep designer. <laughs> uh, man. This is I the think longest the running podcast I've ever had. I'll, I'll be We're quick. Do this. No, this is going to be like a trifecta This could be series. A, well, you could, yeah, it could be a series. Um, the most fun for me has been my daughter because. Um, this is a great story. Yeah, she was, a, you know, you know, because you've known her for a long time. She was a very good soccer player and had a future in it. But she had a concussion because she's like 5'1". And made a choice not to keep going because she just didn't see, you know, didn't see herself getting out unscathed. So she started playing golf. And now I'm just, I'm so lucky because I get to help her out in college golf. And and she, I think one of the only two-day events she ever played in as a junior golfer before she played Division One was in Chris's tournament. 
So she started at, you know, kind of serious, maybe as a senior in high school. But now she's, you know, way better than I ever was. But it shows you what, it's certainly not me, it's talent, but it's also really intelligent, hard work. Yeah, because I know you did some things, like it was a lot of on the golf course. Yeah, we, that's, I think, the biggest thing now. Like, I'm always doing stuff on the course with people. I will tell two stories. First story is I walked in the pro shop here at Pinehurst two days ago, or yesterday, and the guy in the pro shop said hi, and I thought he was just saying hi because he was nice in the pro shop, and he's like, I was in your camps when I was a kid, and now here I'm working at Pinehurst, and it was like, I looked at him like, oh my god, that's Kyle, and I didn't even, you know, he was, That's cool. he didn't, he's all grown up, he was all grown up, he's 25, 26 years old, like, I didn't spend that much time with him, but he's a golfer now, and he works at Pinehurst, I thought that was extremely special, cool. but... I think one of my favorite stories is uh, I had a kid, a girl, and Brady knows her. Um, she came to me at six years old. She was extremely good, loved the game. After about two years, she took my group classes for about two years, and then all of a sudden she, her mom came to me and said they didn't have any money, they couldn't do this golf thing. I'm like, you can't not do golf. How can you not do golf? Like, she's awesome. Um, so I said she can take a private lesson every week, no charge, just do it. And so after about eight years, she got a full ride to play golf, college golf, never charged her a dime. She played the whole year or for, for years, and she's playing D1 golf now. And it's probably one of my favorite stories. And yeah. That's, yeah, awesome. yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Spreck. Yeah. I got a kid that's a member, super talented kid, super hot now. He's 12 years old, swings a 795 miles an hour. They're going to know you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> he'll know. <laughs> but he was one of these, you know, super cerebral kids. He wanted to learn the game on his own. So I'd give him a little bit of information. I wouldn't see him for two weeks, and he'd come back, and we'd formulate ideas and plan some things, and he'd, you know, go away and come back. And uh, he was a late bloomer. So his junior year, he started his scores. He was shooting mid-80s, and his scores came down, his scores came down. His and it wasn't until his senior year until he started getting recognized by college coaches and uh, his dad came to me one day because we got a problem. I said, well, what? I said, well, he's got an offer from Yale and a, an offer from Princeton, and Stanford just <laughs> showed up to the table. I said, well, I don't see the problem. So he was just, you know, just a, it's, so he ended up going to Princeton to play. But just, you know, he kind of learned it on himself, taking the information that I gave him, would go formulate his own ideas, come back and relearn some stuff, and we had a cut out some of the information that he was doing was wrong and whatever. But, you know, learning how to control all of his speed because he was, you know, he wanted to hit as far as he still does. You know, I talked to his coach the other day and he, he's hitting, you know, seven iron speeds about 108 now. And his coach says, you know, he can't hit a seven iron 150 when he needs to. You know, everything is, you know, 195. So he's still learning as a kid, but that kind of a, that, yeah, that, that kind of a development with a kid was kind of fun to watch and, and experience and hot and heavy. His goal was to play college golf, but we never thought it would happen just because how, how late of a developer he was, but he popped at the right time and saw the right people. And kind of fun to see. So I think we kind of wrap this thing up before I have a few parting shots. With Joe Hallett, joined us late to the table. Joe? Yeah, Joe. Joe, top 100 teacher, one of the great teachers in the game, had so much success on all levels. Tell us a, a good story about a junior you taught. Maybe that isn't, maybe not the best. No, really cool story, and it's about what this game does to people. 
I had a young lady show up that the uh, parents were from Kentucky and they he said we kind of want to know if she's any good and at first I thought it was kind of a plant I'm like what other instructor sent you over here to kind of see a lot of natural talent worked through it ended up getting a scholarship and it's one of the coolest things that's ever happened is she came back and she said coach Hallett I'm really scared I'm like I, I don't I don't know if I want to play and she she played good as a junior earned a right to get a scholarship and she was really scared and I I literally relayed to a couple of tour players and one of them said here's what she needs to do she's got to play one year she committed this is the most important this is the first decision she'll ever have in her life and if you go back in that first decision you're gonna regret it the rest of your life she played one year and said thank you and thank her and her for telling me to go through and do this it wasn't even about ability it was like i don't know if i have i don't know how i'm going to do against the other players in the team and it was one That's of those cool. where she's from that day forward completely different individual with confidence that you wouldn't believe and it's not even golf it's just all about life it was crazy that's awesome this has been pretty cool i think one of the cool things as we wrap it up is about what we do is every now and then we all get to get together and joe came in and We've all sat here, and uh, and it's an interesting collection of the minds. But the cool thing is, is we run into each other on the road at different places, see some of you guys more than others. Uh, but it's cool to share information. And anyways, I appreciate everybody sitting in tonight. And uh, let's finish this wine. And Brady, thanks for taking me out for nine holes, going around the old block one last time. Piners number one hadn't done it since the old Donald Ross Jr. When I was 15 years old, we dominated. We kicked their ass. Cheers, man. Cheers. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors, 
Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dewsweepersgolf.com, or you can always check me out on Instagram at the dewsweeper.